Economics in Action, a podcast where we explore topics and ideas related to economics. In this episode, we'll be unpacking the idea of industrial policy, of which there has been a resurgence of interest recently as economists try to game out the best way for the U.S. to position itself in regard to China. So let's start with a definition. Industrial policy can be understood as the strategic effort by a government to promote the growth and development of specific sectors of the economy. It's a means to channel resources, both financial and non-financial, into areas that are perceived to have potential for stimulating economic growth, fostering innovation, and generating employment. The underlying objective of an industrial policy is to restructure and modernize the industrial sector of an economy to make it more competitive and dynamic. However, the effectiveness of such policies can be a matter of debate, as results can vary based on their implementation, regional differences, and the specific industries targeted. Historically, many countries have employed some form of industrial policy to guide their economic development. Japan and South Korea, for example, utilized these policies effectively during their rapid industrialization phases in the mid-20th century. Their governments played pivotal roles in nurturing industries like steel, automobiles, and electronics. Through a combination of protectionist measures, subsidies, and direct investments, these countries transformed from agrarian societies to global industrial powerhouses in a matter of decades. Industrial policies can employ a multitude of mechanisms. Some of the more common ones include, first, subsidies and grants. Governments can provide financial assistance to emerging or strategic industries. This assistance might be to foster R&D, expand production, or stimulate exports. For instance, the European Union subsidies for its agricultural sector under the Common Agricultural Policy have been instrumental in ensuring food security and stabilizing farm incomes. Then there are tax incentives, which the government might offer to reduce taxes or tax holidays for companies operating in desired sectors. A classic example is how Ireland's low corporate tax rate, which has attracted numerous multinational tech firms, has aided in the development of a robust tech sector in the country. Then there are tariffs and trade barriers. By imposing tariffs and trade barriers, governments can protect nascent domestic industries from foreign competition, allowing them time to grow and become competitive. The United States, during its early industrialization phase in the 19th century, used tariffs to shield its industries from European competition. Special economic zones, which are designated regions where businesses are allowed to operate under special economic regulations, are also a form of industrial policy. China's use of SEZs such as Shenzhen played a crucial role in its economic transformation. These zones attracted foreign investment and facilitated technology transfer, driving industrial growth. And lastly, research and development support. Governments can fund or co-fund research initiatives in areas of strategic importance. For example, the U.S. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, has funded critical breakthroughs in fields ranging from the internet to autonomous vehicles. Beyond the earlier mentioned Asian tigers, another example of successful industrial policy is Germany's Mitzland companies. These are small to medium-sized enterprises that specialize in niche industrial products. 
The German government supports these companies through favorable financing, R&D support, and vocational training programs. This has resulted in a robust manufacturing sector known for its high-quality engineering and products. Another instance is Singapore's push into biotechnology. Recognizing the potential of the sector, the Singaporean government made significant investments into infrastructure, research facilities, and talent recruitment. Today, Singapore is a global hub for biotech research and development. So far, industrial policy seems like a good path to take, right? Let's summarize the pros of this policy. The first is economic diversification. Industrial policies can help economies move away from dependence on a limited number of industries or raw materials, leading to a more diverse and resilient economy. One of the most cited real-life examples of successful economic diversification is the case of the United Arab Emirates. Historically reliant on oil revenues, which still play a significant role in its economy, the UAE has made concerted efforts to diversify its economic base over the past few decades. Dubai, one of the seven emirates, has become a global hub for finance, trade, tourism, and real estate. Through the establishment of free zones, world-class infrastructure, and liberal business regulations, the city has attracted a multitude of international businesses and events. The diversification strategy reduced the Emirates' resilience on oil such that by the early 21st century, less than 5% of Dubai's GDP came from oil. The success of this economic diversification is evident in its resilience to global oil price shocks and its attraction as a destination for international investment and tourism. Another example is Norway, which has effectively utilized its substantial oil revenues to create a diversified and prosperous economy. Unlike many other oil-rich countries, Norway channeled its wealth into the government pension fund Global which is designed to invest the surplus wealth generated by the petroleum sector. This sovereign wealth fund is now one of the largest in the world and invests internationally in various asset classes, helping to insulate the Norwegian economy from oil price volatility. Moreover, Norway has developed other strong sectors such as maritime industries, fisheries, and information technology. The combination of prudal fiscal management of natural resource revenues and a focus on developing a broad-based economy has offered Norway not only substantial financial assets, but also a well-functioning, diversified economic structure that stands as a model of economic development and stability. Some of the other pros of industrial policy are, first, by identifying and supporting industries with significant growth potential, countries can foster new areas of expertise and market leadership. Then there is job creation. Targeted industrial policies can lead to job creation, particularly in high-value sectors, which can have a positive impact on employment rates in the overall economy. There's technological advancement which by supporting research and development through subsidies or tax breaks, governments can promote technological innovation, which can benefit the entire economy. And then the last two, which are the most cited in the recent talk of U.S. employing industrial policy, the first being strategic independence. 
for sectors deemed strategically important, such as defense, energy, or food production, industrial policy can help ensure national self-sufficiency and security, and global competitiveness, which by nurturing and developing competitive industries, nations can improve their standing in the global marketplace, boosting exports and trade surpluses. While there have been success stories, industrial policy is not without its detractors. Critics argue that such policies can lead to, firstly, a misallocation of resources. Governments might not be always best placed to pick quote-unquote winning sectors or industries, leading to a waste of public funds. Then there is the creation of monopolies. Overprotection can result in a lack of competition, leading to inefficiencies and reduced consumer welfare. When governments have a significant control over resource allocation, it can lead to an environment where businesses prioritize lobbying and influence over innovation and efficiency, which can lead to corruption and rent-seeking. And finally, a fiscal burden. Subsidies and other forms of support can be a significant burden on a country's budget, potentially leading to higher taxes and increased national debt. And as the U.S. national debt currently creeps up to its highest amount in many decades, this has been concerning for some policymakers. So how do economists generally view industrial policy? Well, proponents of industrial policy often come from the Keynesian or developmental economic school of thought. They argue that government intervention is necessary to correct market failures, promote competitive industries, and ensure economic stability in growth. They cite historical examples such as the rapid industrialization of East Asian economies, which benefited from targeted government policies to build up key industries. These economists believe that industrial policy can help in nurturing infant industries, promoting research and development, and addressing externalities that the free market might ignore. On the other end, critics, often from the neoliberal or classical liberal schools, argue that industrial policy distorts markets and tends to lead to inefficiency, rent-seeking, and corruption. Economists such as Milton Freeman and the Chicago School have traditionally opposed large-scale state intervention in the economy, favoring market-based solutions. There are also more moderate positions that recognize the potential benefits of industrial policy, but emphasize the need for careful design and implementation. Economists in this camp advocate for a balanced approach, where industrial policy is used judiciously to complement market mechanisms, not replace them. They stress the importance of having clear objectives, transparency, and mechanisms to prevent capture by special interest groups. In recent years, there has been a resurgence of interest in industrial policy, partly due to the global financial crisis of 2007 and 8, concerns over inequality, and the realization that unregulated markets can produce suboptimal outcomes, particularly in developing countries. Additionally, new challenges such as climate change, global pandemics, and the rise of digital economies have led some economists to argue for a more significant role for government in steering economic development. Institutions like the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, which once staunchly advocated for free market policies, have also nuanced their stance on industrial policy. 
They now sometimes support government intervention in certain contexts, particularly when it comes to addressing issues like climate change, economic diversification in resource-rich countries, and the development of technology and innovation ecosystems. In conclusion, industrial policy, when applied thoughtfully and judiciously, has the potential to transform economies and propel industrial growth. While its effectiveness can vary based on a myriad of factors, there's no denying the role it has played in the developmental trajectories of several nations. As with all policies, the key lies in adapting and refining approaches based on ongoing assessments, regional needs, and global economic shifts. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and write a comment telling us how you feel.